I was doing a lot of Donna research. My, my I have like weird thoughts about her, so it's gonna be mm-hmm. fun to just talk about my thoughts about it. I thought as a warm up before we get into anything heady, we'll just talk about what our top tens are and why. Right. So even though okay. even if I have like a top ten, it's not yours. Since you're the guest, more or less, I, I'm more interested in your thoughts about why this song is great too. So I'll put my two cents in on the song. I may use it okay. or not, you know, and then go ahead and you do it too. So, okay. So if we work this out, I would go first, and then you would have the final song. Um, that sounds that sounds good. Yeah. So we're gonna go through the. We're gonna pretend we're recording right now and start. <laughs> To another edition of Something Came from Baltimore. I'm your host, Tom Gowker. Tonight we have Roy Delamar on the phone, and we are chatting about the disco diva of all times, Donna Summer. Before there was Beyonce, before there was Lady Gaga, and before there was Madonna, there was the queen of the dance floor, Donna Summer. Time has passed, and people have forgotten how important Donna Summer is to our pop culture. And luckily, there's a smash hit musical called Summer, the Donna Summer musical that tells her story. The play hit Broadway November 2017, and we have super fan Roy Delamar on the phone, who is here to tell us about the play. He's going to do his countdown of the top 10 Donna Summer songs of all time. And he's going to chat about his favorite album of hers and give us Donna Summer history. Not all Donna Summer history has been glitter and disco balls. There's a lot of gray areas in her past and we will get to all of that. This show is called I Love Donna Summer Show with guest Roy Delamar. Roy Delamar, welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. Well, hey, thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me and greetings from Philadelphia, just uh, up 95. Uh... It's great to be here and talking about one of my all-time favorite uh, performers, Donna Summer. On number 10, I started with Sand on My Feet, which is a song from the Crayon album, the 2006 album. Now, that song to me sounds like she was trying to do something very contemporary, very different. And all the crazy things about you that I so adore Are the little things that keep me coming back for more Let's go for your number 10. What do you have on your list? So my t- number 10 song is I Feel Love. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I'm such a big fan of the song, because frankly, I'm a little tired of it. Mm-hmm. But it's what that song represents to me, because that was really my gateway into Donna Summer. It wasn't Love to Love You, Baby. That was a little young for it, and I don't remember ever actually hearing it on the radio. I do, however, remember... My dad driving me to school early because I had to get I had to get extra tutoring in math. So he would drop me off before work. And I remember we would listen to WABC 77 
AM in, from New York City, and I Feel Love was in heavy rotation. And I still remember the first time I heard it thinking, what is that? I've never heard that sound before. So I Feel Love for me is really kind of my entry point into, into Donna Summer. And that whole album, um, that whole I Remember Yesterday album was really, was really important. So my number nine is an album track from Bad Girls, and it's uh, There Will Always Be You. Hold on, I said that wrong. There Will Always Be a You. Uh, and I felt that this is where uh, Donna went wrong. Um, and my, my thoughts for Bad Girls is that they had the hits. They had Hot Stuff, Bad Girl. They had Walk Away. Um, and then there was this ballads, like very similar to... Um, you know, Broadway showish kind of things. They were really, mm-hmm. you know, really stretching out what her 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 voice can do, and she has a fantastic mm-hmm. voice. So I felt that she should have went in that vein in the '80s, and and um, had a fantastic career because when you, when you can sing, you can sing, and if mm-hmm. you want a pop record, that's fine. But she did that already. Disco was dying. I was like, ooh. All the all the ballady stuff that was on that album, I wish you would have done that for you know the next 10, 20 years. It's a good point. It's an interesting point. I thought that that bad girls in general, I can appreciate it for the accomplishment it was. Because I really think, I really think that was her at the height of her popularity and her power. And I think what she did at that moment was really good. It was a really interesting, unique album, um, and I loved it a lot. I think I've, I've mentioned to you that I'm very proud of the fact that I bought the first copy that was sold in Elizabeth, New Jersey, because I actually went to the record store the day they arrived and they were taking them out of the box. For some reason that was important to me to do. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's a good song. It's, it's, when I think of Bad Girls, it's, it's not one of the songs that I immediately come to. Um, and it's probably, you know, as I've played the album, it's probably one of those tracks I paid less attention to, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Um, but now that you mentioned it, I probably have to go back and revisit it and give it another listen. So here's my number nine. I, as I, I approached this list, I thought, I really just picked music and songs that just made me happy. You know, I associate with her and I associate with feeling good. So my number nine is actually this time I know it's for real. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, that's, it's a late Donna Summer song for me. It's definitely later in her career a little bit. Um, but it's one of those songs that, Every time I heard that, I hear that opening, 
those opening notes, I just get happy. It makes me happy. It's 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 a it's a fun party record. Um, and I think what I find kind of interesting about that because it came out a little bit after Donna Summer Heyday, I think people heard that and didn't automatically know it was her and didn't let whatever biases they might have had about her affect how they perceived the song. And I think that the song always got a really good reception before, before that. I think that there were a lot of people who, you know, there were a lot of people for, for right or wrong reasons who just decided they didn't like Donna Summer. And I think that they associated it with a certain sound and a certain type of music and a certain era that, you know, was problematic for a lot of folks for whatever reason. Um, and I think that that song kind of, you know, went beyond that and people just liked it. So that's my number nine is, is this time I know it's for real. Yeah, as a pop song, uh, it is a very sharp. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, and she kills it. And uh, yeah, you can't walk away um, from that song, you know, with your hands not up in the air. You know, it's a really positive, life-affirming kind of song. And uh, I mean, she's saying, "This time I know it's for real. I finally found love." Um, right. It's, it's a really nice song, so I, I think it's a, it's great and. Uh, yeah, I, I think that Donna, you know, her career ebbed and flowed, and she was definitely in a an ebb part. So, so when this came out, you know, people were like, "Whoa, this is great." There's some diehards I know that are Donna fans that that bought everything that she had. Some of it was better than than uh, than other stuff, but when it came to this song, this was like a firecracker. It just came out of nowhere, and uh, right, it's, it's, a, right. it's a really good song. Number eight for me, I'm going back to the bad girls. I found that I have three of mm-hmm. them, is uh, Sunset People. And okay. uh, the reason that I like this song, I know it sounds dumb. I remember sitting in my, my uh, bedroom, and I was way into Donna. So I'm a big you know big fan of hers. But um, there was this uh, like kind of car or like noise that went from one ear to another you know if you had quad quadraphonic sound towards the end of the song you know it's supposed to be like cars are passing by so uh when it's really really loud i really focus in on that noise and 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 it separates from one ear to another i know it's just a little hokey but uh, you know it's really really cool i'm a little burned out of it myself but i know when i when i when I think of it, I really am happy with it, and I really like that that weird noise that goes along with it. So my my number eight is is also from the Bad Girls record, and it's another ballad, um, and it's and it's um, on my honor, mm-hmm. which I always love. And on my honor, what I like about on my honor again, so much of this is personal. I'm not, you know, I'm not a, a musicologist or anything of the sort. I just it's really what I associate these songs with, feelings they evoke for me. Um, on My Honor takes me back to high school parties and slow dancing mm-hmm. and just having a great time. And I remember it was one of those songs that wasn't a hit off the Bad Girls album. It was one of those songs that I sort of, you know, I remember when I bought Bad Girls and you you, had, you knew the hits, but then you'd listen to the other tracks and you'd find these gems. Like Sunset People was one of them for me. 
On My Honor was another one. So I remember very vividly making slow dance mixtapes for friends' parties. Mm -hmm. And On My Honor was always one of my key pieces because it was a great song, but it wasn't a song that everybody recognized right away. On My Honor, to me, reminds me of a Fame song. If yeah. Fame came out just around the same time, I, I swear... This would be like sheet music that would be brought up to Irene Cara and she would belt it out in, you know, on the TV show or the whatever, the movie. All right, so number seven for me is from a Love uh, Trilogy album. It's that 1976 album side, Try Me, I Know We Can Make It. If we try, try. After 17 minutes, if you don't start singing that song, uh, right. you know, there's a problem. And um, it's one of those things that just, it's, um, I can do a single version, I can do a disco version. 17 minutes is long, but um, I know that uh, for years I would hear that song. And it's, it comes back to me um, very often as a Donna Summer classic. So uh, it's number seven for me. Yeah, it's interesting. I, if I remember correctly, that was actually the B-side of the 12-inch single of Love to Love You, Baby. I remember correctly. I remember buying the 12-inch. And I still have it downstairs in my you know, my crates of records. And I'm, I'm almost positive that was the B-side of, of that 12-inch single. Um, and it is a good song. Um, again, I, I, I don't love it, but I, I can appreciate it. My number seven is a song, um, is the song I Love You. And I loved that song from the very, very first time I heard it. And I, I, by that point, I was pretty hard into Donna Summer. And I was really just loving what she did. And I just thought, I Love You had this beautiful romance to it. The lyrics were, were sweet. The story was nice. It was kind of this fairy tale love story. And here's a funny anecdote about about I Love You. I had the 45, I had the seven inch single of it. And I remember somebody told me if you play the seven inch single of I Love You at 33, you get this very different man singing the song. And it, it actually works. I don't know if you, have the, if you ever get your hands on the 45, try it. It's, it's a very interesting sound. Like a Lou Rawls. Yeah, it's kind of like this deep, like Lou Rawls, Teddy Pendergrass kind of a voice. Um, and I thought, you know, I just remember being amazed by it. But I love that song. I think it's, it's just a sweet, romantic little fairy tale. Um, and again, I think you, you made a really interesting point earlier. I think that when these songs were coming out, love and romance and relationships were all still kind of like these weird 
mysterious things to me and and i really gravitated towards those like romantic illusions of oh this is what it's going to be like this is what happily ever after looks like um so yeah so that's that's my number seven choices i love you and that's on the once upon a time album correct so there you go it's a love story which is probably my favorite on the summer album okay so that's my number two and it's a strong two Ah! Yeah, I love that out that song because from beginning to end, from the first note to the last, where it kind of fades out into like a electronic fusion at the end. In 1999, uh, you know, she did that VH1 live in a more encore, uh, where it was kind of like for young people to to know that Odonna Summer does exist. But she did a song I will I will go with you, which was a Sarah Brightman uh, song, and uh, the arrangements on it it was a Giorgio Moroder was was fantastic it, it was awesome on the yeah. dance floor i had the 12 inch i guess they didn't uh-huh. have it then it was 12 inch cd and i had every single uh-huh. version and played it over and over and over um i was in a relationship at that point and we both loved that song and it was just like a like it re- puts me right into that spot of where i was at 1999 um very pretty. It's not probably one of her greatest songs, like as if we think of Donna Summer, but it should be. It's it's, it's right. definitely a strong song. Well, I will preview myself, and I will tell you that that is my number two song. Yeah. And a number, a very strong number two. So Beautiful. we'll get to that in a minute. But I, I I applaud the choice, and I, I agree with everything thing you said. Right. And so it was a very similar experience. I remember that VH1 song. In fact, I have the VH1 special on VHS somewhere. It was great. And I, and I remember that my cousin worked in, in the music industry for many years. He was the dance chart manager of Billboard. And when that came out, he actually got me like promo copy of the, the VHS and the DVD and the, uh, the CD together in like this little box set, which I still have somewhere. I thought the song was, was terrific. I thought there was something about the energy of that song that felt very modern and yet also felt very classic. Yeah. It didn't feel like a classic disco song necessarily, but the vibe was there. And it was just, it took me, it, it, I just remember hearing it on a dance floor and loving it. I remember listening to it and really focusing in on her vocals. I have to say, I actually thought her vocals were dynamite on it. I agree. She was in great voice. I thought it's not the easiest song in the world to sing, and I thought she did a really remarkable job with it. And that's a, that's the point I make, is that I'm often remind, I have to remind myself and I surprise myself when I think about how good a vocalist she really was. And I think that that, if there was one tragedy of her dying, so young, it was that. I don't think we got to see everything she could have done. I, we didn't get to see what kind of a vocalist she would have turned out to be in her older years, Where what she would do with that voice, which is very strong and was getting, you know, this wonderful patina to it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's why I, I love that song. I will go with you, my number two, and, and love it. Well, you know, I, I know that they were doing Divas Live and they were talking about putting Donna in, in one of them. And I, mm-hmm. I and I read somewhere that they said, well, we don't want to put her with a group of women. She gets her own show, and, yeah. and so they didn't put her on the live Tiva live. She got it. She got her own, and she was so good in that uh, VH1 mm-hmm. episode that I felt this was like a comeback. Like, 
like, okay, now we're back to Dino again. And, uh, yeah. you know, then she kind of, you know, slowed down, and, and uh, I think she only put the crayons out in, in 2006. Right. So she wasn't in any hurry uh, to, to do it. I know she was touring a lot, but uh, she, yeah. she could have went in that line. I, my, my whole thing is that I don't think she wanted the fame of of it as much as she liked to sing. Like, she was a singer. Yeah. And she got she got lucky through all her life, and uh, when it came to these songs, she just wrapped herself around really great art like artists to help her. But mm -hmm. I don't think she had that internal drive like like okay, 1999 is my new coming back, and we're gonna you know t-shirts and whatever. Like it just right, never right. it never it was you know Donna Mania all over again. I don't think she had it in her or wanted it, but she was. I don't think she did either. She was happy to to tour and and have her fans you know really enjoy her and I think that was like the kiss that she got at the end is that she was adored by the people who actually went to see her. Okay, so we're I'm at number five and it's the Barry Manilow song. Could it be magic? It's from okay. uh, I, I love uh, trilogy uh, from 1976. <laughs> Uh, it was weird because I swear that song came out in 2000, or 1970, 1974 or 1975. So the song was really, really fresh. It was a big, big hit for Barry Manilow. And for her to turn it into a disco hit, I was like, okay, Donna, I think this is not a good idea. However, it's such a good song. So I think I like her version. Obviously, I like her version more than his. And I am totally fine with it being number five on my, my uh, countdown. All righty. So let me play a little catch up here because I jumped ahead a little bit. Um, my number three is Could It Be Magic? And I agree with everything you said. It's probably, you know, if I had like, if I had 10 records that I could take to a desert island, it would definitely be one of the, the, the last to be cut away. I just think it's a perfect, beautiful song. Um, and, and I agree with, with everything you said about it. Let me just backtrack a little bit, Scope. So my number six, I'm breaking. I'm breaking. Uh, oh, I didn't do with you a little bit. I didn't yeah, do that's six. Fine. Yeah, I don't do think six. so. Did you? I can't. Well, remember. my number. So wait. What is your so six? my six is, is is I'm 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 parting company with you a little bit because you said you didn't care for this song. I'd really love it. It's no more tears. The the Don the summer oh, okay. Barbara Streisand duet. Um, I thought it was terrific. I thought she she held her own beautifully. Um. I think that Barbara Streisand is such a vocalist and such a performer and such, you know, a legend that I think that anybody who's willing to go go in the ring with her, if you will, um, deserves with a disco credit. song. Yeah, with the, a disco song. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because I always I don't know if you've ever heard the story of how that song came to be, but that song I heard that Barbara Streisand went to her son and said, who would you like me to record with? Because I guess he had said, you record all these songs that I really don't, I'm not listening to. And he told her he wanted her to record with Donna Summer. And that was that was the genesis of that. So that's what I've heard. Who knows if it's true or not. If you can get, you know, maybe you can get Barbara Streisand on the phone and ask her, but however it happened, I think it's just a terrific song. Um, it's one of those songs that I bought, the, I bought the 12 inch right out of the, right out of the gate. I never I had, had the 7-inch with it. So to me, whenever I hear the radio edit, it really feels anemic to me. Like, I really want the whole 
you know, the whole long version of it, because I really think that's how that song was meant to be heard. Um, I think it's a great song, and I love it. Um, so now my number five is Rumor Has. Which is a song I just, I've always liked a lot. I always, for some reason, I always link Rumor Has and Could It Be Magic. Mm-hmm. For some reason, the songs connect in my head, probably because they're about the same era. I probably heard them around the same time. I just really like it. Um, Rumor Has It was one of those that didn't get as much play as some of her other singles, but I just, I always enjoyed it. Whenever I would hear it out, I would really have fun with it. Whenever it would come on like a shuffle playlist, I was always like, oh, this is a really nice surprise. And I think that that song just kept coming up. I mean, as I was doing, you know, as I said, I came up with this list of like 40 songs. And as I kept cutting away, I just could not cut that song away. So um, that's that's my number five. No, it's up there. Rumor has it is not a, a, a radio hit, but it's a club hit. It's well produced and it has a lot of lot of things going on with it. I guess I want to say, but you're right. I agree. Uh, it's it's a uh, it, it's great, and uh, you're not going to hear it on like an oldie station or anything at this point. Uh, no, but it'll never be in the greatest hits collection. Yeah, and there's that's weird because it was a big hit. Yeah, you know, it's like wait yeah. a minute, that was a big hit. It's a club hit. All right, so to, if I screwed up my, my numbers, we're at four? We're right. at four. Okay. So four for me is cheating because Donna had passed by then. It's a, a remix album that had really mixed reviews and mixed quality of the, the remixes, but was a really great concept. Um, it was called Love to Love You, Donna. Love to Love You, Donna. Mm-hmm. It came out in 2013, and the opening track is a, kick, a Chris Cox and Giorgio Moroder remix of Love to Love You remix. And this song is awesome. And it works on the dance floor at any time. So my number four, ironically, is also a very long track. Um, and it's actually a compilation of several tracks. I have a feeling this is going to show up on your list as well. But mine is the MacArthur Park Suite from Live and More. What? Which is my number four. Okay. And, and it's funny because I originally, I broke out MacArthur Park and Heaven Knows. Because I think they're just such good songs that they deserve to stand on their own. But I actually... I, I ended up going with the MacArthur Park Suite because it's a nice, it's a, it, it gave me two for the price of one. I could get both of those songs on my list um, and not have to use two slots. I also think it's just, it was just 
so well executed. It's so good. It's seamless. You know, you know, you hear those opening notes of MacArthur Park, and then you just know you're in for a ride with you know these different songs that just played together beautifully. Um, it never gets tired. It's really, it's really as much a feat of incredibly good engineering as it is anything else. It was just so well done. Live and More was a really great record. I loved, you know, I loved the cover of Live and More. To me, that is the quintessential Donna Summer image with her with the microphone. I thought the record was good. I thought the MacArthur Park Suite was was just like nothing I'd ever heard before. I agree. So that's my number four. So I, I'd have to uh, say everything about that and more is uh, that's my number one. But that's not just my number one. Uh, Donna song. That's my number one disco song of all time. That's my number one dance song. I don't have any other dance song other than MacArthur Park Suite. And uh, it's, uh, I agree with you and I feel it's it's epic in its uh, its execution. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you're one of a kind is really cool mm-hmm. in there. And, um, you know, the fact that they weave it like it's uh, like Abbey Road's like side mm-hmm. two where it just kind of, it all works. Uh, the the um, instrumental like there's there's uh, a, a symphony of, of serious horns, funky horns, along mm-hmm. with like violins and and uh, disco bubbles, and uh, it's it's basically 18 minutes worth of bliss. Uh, there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it. The MacArthur Park song is terrible, but what MacArthur mm-hmm. Park with Donna Summer is it's amazing. So mm-hmm. uh, the sweet is like heaven knows if i would break that apart would probably be my number two song it's yeah. beautiful and it's it goes right there with i love you and and some other songs it's, it's just great so yeah love it love that um if anyone wanted to say what is disco i would pull this song out and say sit there listen and and you'll get yeah. all your answers there and i don't i don't think you'd be wrong and i think the other thing about it is first of all again those those songs just all go so well together what was really masterful about that recording is if you remember that era it was about it was all about mixing and again people were still mixing with vinyl and turntable and it was always the risk of you know mixing one song into another as often as you heard a smooth mix you would hear a train wreck mm-hmm. and those mixes are so seamless it just feels like you know if you told me they had you know they had all the instrumentation they had the vocals they did everything they recorded it all in one take i would believe it because there's just you just hear nothing in that at least to my ear i hear nothing i hear no stop and start i hear like these songs were all meant to be together it's just it's uh, just yeah they're fantastic love it um i think i'm at three we're at three, yes. So I'm at the Bad Girls one more time, hitting it one more time at 19. It's a, um, it's a 1979 again. It's Our Love. It's a, uh-huh. yeah, it's not a hit on the radio. It could have been. And I know yeah. it was a big hit on the dance floor. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, I was too young to be on the dance floor, but I used to look at Billboard Records and see that, you know, it was being played. Mm-hmm. But right. um, I think it's a lot of fun. Um it just—it's kind of what disco is. It's, it's fluffy. It's fun, and uh, it, I just like the uh, when they go. Our love will last forever, and it's like, uh-huh. yeah. 
Yeah. I love that part. I love I think it's awesome. Machine gunny kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. It's a great song. It's a great song. It's funny because that that's one of my honorable mentions, one of my many honorable mentions. And again, as I was doing this, as I've been listening to you, I have to reconsider what a good record Bad Girls really was. I mean, I'm glad it had the success it had, and I think that it still hangs together well. Just listening to the variety of the songs we've been talking about, including Our Love. You know, that record really was was just as close to perfect for that time as you can get. Well, it really, it, it was. It was just a, a dynamite record. It, you know, it's it's by doing, like, we're talking about Donna. We've been talking about this for, like, a couple months. But, you know, I went back and listened to the whole album. I went, oh, I love this album. And I, yeah. think, I think what happened was with Alive and More, she was mine. But with Bad Girls, right. she was the world. So... But it, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that breakthrough album, it's like, you, you know what it does for their career, you're happy for them, they deserve it, but at the same time, you're just sort of like, oh man, yeah. now the whole world's in on. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah, now everyone's into Donna too, and that, that pisses me yeah, off. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and in some ways, uh, this is a really, really good album, I'm really, really proud of it, and uh, I, I'm gonna, you know, throw it back in regular rotation now, because I, I, I found it again. So my t mine have been named. So your what was your number three? My number three we've already talked about was Could It Be Magic. Okay. Just a song I love, love, love. And my number two was I Love You. Okay. Okay. No, your number and my one. number two, okay. my number two is I Will Go With You. Okay. We got that. And what was your, my number one is MacArthur Park Suite. With, I guess we're unveiling your number one. I guess so. Oh, wow. So, it's a big build-up. <laughs> yeah, it is. And again, I to me, this is the quintessential Donna Summer song. And my and it's my number one. And it's, you know, there's this corner of my heart that will always belong to the song. And that is Last Dance. <laughs> I know it's become a wedding, you know, playlist cliche. I get it. I know everybody knows that it was a big hit. It was a chart single. It was everything. I still love it. I still remember hearing it. I remember buying that 12 Thank God It's Friday. Well, no, I actually had the Thank God It's Friday soundtrack. I have the 12 inch. Well, the Thank God It's Friday soundtrack, you know, a mediocre movie an incredibly good soundtrack. If you ever get a chance to pick it up, get it, it's great. But Last Dance, to me, is just this song that has magic power, to me. I, you know, 
And it's funny because it's you often hear it at the end of a night, usually at the end of a really fun night. And it just seems like it's always those first few bars are are bittersweet because you know it's the end of the night and you've been having a great time with your friends and dancing and and just enjoying yourself. And then that music just starts and you're just like, yeah, it's the end, but it's it's ending on as high a note as I can think of. Um, and I never get tired of it, and I I just love it. It's it's just one of those things that even thinking about it makes me smile. Um, and I'll tell you this, I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but when I saw the the Donna Summer musical on Broadway, those opening bars of Last Dance, I teared up. It was that emotional for me. Just the, 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 and we'll get into that more, but I just realized that song is, that is kind of the height of my Donna Summer mania. And it will always just be a very, very special song for me. The movie was terrible, but uh, it's great. And what happened is it replaced Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. So uh, mm -hmm. at the last song, it's not a slow song anymore. It starts out as a slow song, and then it becomes really awkward for mm -hmm. everyone because they're like, okay, well, are we still slow songing? Are we dancing? Mm -hmm. What are we doing now? So right. it, it's funny. It deserves to be the last song because it should have a little little closeness and then a little celebration at the end instead right. of just that you know that led zeppelin song is just a little too too uh, too journey yeah. last, last dance is the perfect last song of the of the night i'm really glad to have you on to talk about donna and and the thoughts about donna uh and what she means to you uh tell people who you are okay um, so, <clears throat> as, as, as you said, Tom, I live in Philadelphia. I've lived here for about 20 years, um, but I'm originally from northern New Jersey, just outside of New York City. So I grew up in that New York metro area, and I grew up, I always say that I was just a little too young to have really been part of the disco scene, the famous, you know, 70s disco scene. But I was old enough to really like the music and really have a, a sense and an appreciation for what was going on. Um, so while I wasn't old enough to go to actual discos um, or anything that was happening in New York City, I was old enough to go to downtown Elizabeth, my hometown, and buy records. And so I have a pretty extensive disco collection. And Donna Summer was, of course, one of the, the the pivotal performers. In fact, Donna Summer was, you know, she was not only a, a disco performer, she really crossed over. She was really just a megastar at that time. And I remember just seeing her on, you know, the Merv Griffin's show or, or any of the other TV shows and just being mesmerized by her. And there was just something about her that gave me hope. And, you know, I was a, I was a confused kid growing up trying to make sense of what adulthood was going to look like. And there was just something in her music and in her personality that I just really gravitated toward. And uh, so I really think she was a huge soundtrack of my of my uh, adolescence and my teen years. You know, you, we were making decisions about are we going to buy a Sean Cassidy record or are we going to buy a Village People record or Andy Gibb? This was kind of like teen junk. And although Donna Summer was... A pop star she wasn't junk she was uh, mm -hmm. there was a lot she wrapped herself around a lot of excellent producers the best of the business at that time and I would say Giorgio Moroder is probably one of the best 
record producers of all time, especially in the dance world. So she yeah. she really wrapped herself around the best of the best, and they took what she had, which is that God gifted voice, and was able to to make really commercial, thought provoking. I think uh, Four Seasons of Love was Once Upon a Time mm-hmm. it had a theme to it, double disc. So um, she was above, I think, of of a. Uh, you know any kind of pop so when we're young and we're making a decision where we want to put our money it was a big deal she was an adult star and we were yeah you know, we were lapping it up you told me that you have a donna summer journal do you still have that so what i have is actually i had for many years i had a few of them were donna summer scrapbooks and what i would do is i would buy magazines and i would cut you know clip all these stories on donna summer and save them and i remember i bought the first copy of the Bad Girls album that my local record store sold. I mean, they had just come in. They were taking them out of the box, and I, I, I wanted the first one. And I remember it was a double record set. That one was 547, and um, it had the sticker on it that said, you know, contains the hit Bad Girls and Hot Stuff. And I remember I saved the plastic wrap from the album, folded it in quarters, and put it in my scrap. So unfortunately, in you know, in the moves between childhood and adulthood um the scrapbooks got lost at some point um you know which which just breaks my heart to think about it because i had i had a pretty extensive collection of of articles about donna summer interviews with her and stuff and i wanted i would have loved to have had them as i was prepping for this interview with you about that uh, just to kind of go back and look at it and see what she was saying at the time and what people were saying about her and unfortunately you know they they've they've gone by the wayside but they were they were a lot of fun to put together. I like Donna Summer a lot, but I don't really know too much about her past. So when mm-hmm. they when they come in with a, a musical, I'm like, you know, I'm good. I don't need. It's like I love Van Morrison, but if they came out with a Van Morrison musical, <laughs> I'd be like, you know, I don't need other people to sing Van Morrison songs. I I don't know what right. happened to him. I'm good. Right. And and that's the okay. part where I know she was found she did the demo of love the lovey baby and right. you know she was doing it for someone else and they said you keep it and uh that was a big hit for her and then she was at the uh-huh. drugs and then she became a um right at that 1979 seems to be the pinnacle where she was a born-again christian um and then um she was very vocal about that and um you know I know that I've read that she had said some anti-gay stuff in, in, in the middle of the AIDS crisis, which shouldn't do, especially if you're a dance right. diva. And she took her time to respond to it, which is very odd. And But she's a singer, and she's very soulful, and she came back uh, with a vengeance in, in, in many different oh. ways. And I don't know how that music... Let, you were there. And now yeah. I... I I was so excited for you, and I, I was a, one of the first people to ask you questions about the musical uh, because I wanted to see how they framed her. Um, yeah. So what was the musical like to you? So we saw the musical early on. We actually saw it while it was still in preview. Um, so, you know, again, I don't know how much it changed once the show opened. Um, I think by that point it was pretty nailed down. I thought it was a really – it was a very tight production. Um, and I get your point where you say, you know, I love your Van Morrison analogy because I can think of, you know, of, of dozens of performers that I feel exactly the same way about. Like you love, but, but me, it's okay. Yeah, not to, exactly. Not to I, know I, I don't know. <laughs> now, 
Yeah, I think with Donna Summer, I think part of it is she's one of those performers that if I see something from her, I just feel like I want to support her. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of it. Plus the fact that she died as young as she did and as, as you know, surprisingly as she did, I was, you know, I, I was just stunned when she passed away. So to me, it, it, it felt like it was a nice way to reconnect with someone who had been very important in, in my, in my, you know, development and my, and my early years. Um, you know, I thought the musical was very well done. I thought the music choice was great. I mean, they really included a lot of good stuff. And actually, it's one of those things where if you were the casual Donna Summer fan and you saw the musical, it would really surprise you just how many records she had that you recognized mm, and just right. how many, you know, so. songs in different eras and of different styles that she had. So the other thing about the musical was that I, I am a fan, I, you know, but again, I was never, I was never like a fanatical fan. Um, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't follow her around. I was, I was well into my adult years when I finally saw her in concert. She wasn't a concert performer to me. She was, she was records. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, so for me, the musical, I knew, I knew quite a bit of her history. I didn't know it all. I thought it was interesting. I learned, you know, quite a bit about her. Now, again, understanding that they were pro- that there was probably some, you know, editorial liberty taken to make a good show. Um, but I thought, you know, I, I came away from it, you know, I came away from it liking her even more. And I came away from it feeling better about being a longtime fan of hers. Mm. And that hasn't always been easy. It, uh, let me see. I don't want to get like, I'm angry with Donna Summer, and I'll tell you, mm-hmm. uh, we talked before about it, and I'm I'm more angrier than you are. <laughs> However, yeah. um, this is what I think the story should have been. She was a really good singer. She got lucky. She st- you know she was at the right place at the right time. She got swept into that whole '70s thing. Um, she was with the the people who really cared about her. Was able to. Really, like Giorgio Moroder and Casablanca, they were able to really, you know, uh, feature her as an artist. And and, uh, um, emotionally and personally, she wasn't really, there wasn't much going on. I don't think too many people, you know, really cared about Donna Summer's favorite color. So there wasn't anything going on. Uh, Bad Girls blew up, and she was the queen of disco. And we all know that you know the the clubs are you know have a, a a major gay following, and then she became you know right around the eighty two is where she became a a, a a Christian, and that's the height of the AIDS um, crisis. And we have heroes that came out of it. We have Elizabeth Taylor, Freddie Mercury, and we have we we have Princess Diane, and we have Doris Day. We have people who stepped up and emotionally said. Hey, um, these people are hurting. These people are are dying. There's nothing wrong with these people, and um, I want to support them a- any way I can. And in her case, as the queen of disco, where she saw people dying, where she saw people uh, around her who were not around her anymore, uh, make a couple comments that were very pro-Christian but really anti-gay, and then stand back for seven or eight years. And, and then start to um, chip away at it and say, no, I never really said that. 
I wasn't, you know, that's not true. I don't know. It, it, the story of her, her arc of her life could have been where she rised up a, against a really painful era or, and, and she was able to be a spokesperson and also to help people. That's what Christians are supposed to be doing. And in, instead, she backed away from it and um, negated the, the fact that, that she was involved in any of it. I give her a pass. And I give her a pass because I love her. And I give her a pass because um, she makes really good music. But when it comes to her, her character, I know that I just think she's a regular girl. You know, she was just a singer. She could have made the choice to be a spokesman. She could have saved lives. She could have raised money. She could have um, turned turned that whole scandal around. And, 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 and instead, she didn't. So, um, this, that's to me would be her musical. And I know that, you know, time passes and people forget that she was boycotted because it was real. And, you know, we're in a, in an age where, um, you know, things are not real anymore or things are, could be whitewashed. And in, in her case, um, she looked at her fan base and said, I, I'm not really interested in you, and I know that you may be dying. I don't really care. And I know that's kind of rough, but that's kind of how I, I take it. Well, you know, listen, all your points are, are fair, and they're points that I have wrestled with myself. And, in, you know, in fact, I, I thought a lot about this when you first recommended or you first suggested we do this. Um, and I knew it would come up. And... I don't have a satisfactory answer. I well, don't. I can't, well, that was I can't her defend her. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I can't defend her because I don't know what actually transpired. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Listen, you know, you're right. She could have, she had a platform. She could have made a difference. So could lots of other people who sure. did. Doesn't, doesn't make it right. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, how I reconcile it, is again my my relationship with Donna Summer, if you will, and, and I chuckle saying that was a very personal thing. It was very much she, you know, she was very pivotal at a very important point in my life, and that was when I was, you know, a teenager and just trying to make sense of life and you know dealing with you know the fact that I, I probably knew at some level that I was gay and what was I going to do with that and what is that what was that going to look like and so. I, you know, I have, I can't have anything but a soft spot for her mm-hmm. now. So I sort of approach it the way you would approach it, like you would approach a problematic relative. Like, yeah, they said stupid things and I, I don't agree with them and I don't like it, but I can't just say she wasn't important to me. And it was, it really was more than music for me. It really just was, it really just was that her whole persona, the world she personified to me was very, um, it was just very pivotal. And I, and I struggle with putting this into words, as you can tell. And I, even as I was preparing for this, I was struggling with what it was I was going to say. Um, I will say this, and, and I do, I do want to make one point. And this is, this is actually what I really wanted to find the scrapbooks for. I don't know if you'll remember, but in like the late 70s, early 80s, there were all these rumors floating around that Donna Summer was a man. And I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I do. And I I remember they had like Rod Stewart and Elton John were together. Yeah, I mean, there were all those rumors. And and again, 
We, yeah, I mean, I think we're pretty safe in saying she wasn't a man. But again, I don't know that for a fact. I'm, I'm pretty sure she wasn't. But I think that she was. She got attacked with rumors early on in her in her career. You know, and this this was probably pre Bad Girls. This was probably when she was still crest. But I remember, I remember, I had an issue of it was Jet magazine, and she was on the cover, and they, and it was she talked about how hurtful that rumor was to her inside the article and i was i was hoping i could find these scrapbooks so i could reread that article mm-hmm. um because and i looked online and i just i couldn't find it archived anywhere but i guess that the point i'm saying is that you know rumors are just that they are rumors i wasn't there i never heard what she said i remember people you know nobody's been able to actually say to me she said this here nobody's ever been able to document and that doesn't mean it doesn't exist i don't I've never seen it. So to me, I, I give her the benefit of the doubt because she was important to me. And maybe that's a little bit of a cop out and I get that and I own it. Um, you know, and they do, they do talk about some of this in the play, in the, in the musical. I don't remember, and it's funny, I don't want to get into it because I don't remember exactly how they handle. Um, and I don't, want to give, I don't want to give incorrect information to your listeners. I'm sure if they go online and read the reviews of the, the show, they'll they talk about it there, but, but I do remember thinking it was it was smart of them to address it in the musical because just like this interview, I think not addressing it is such a big omission that it, it kind of takes away some of the um, the power of, of the conversation. So um, so again, I know that's not a very satisfactory position, but it's the one that I I've come to for myself. She's a problematic relative who said may may have said something stupid and i have to believe in my heart that she didn't really feel that way so you know that those are, you know those are the stories we tell ourselves to get through life you know uh, i could see just a play about the casablanca years how crazy it was you mm-hmm. know cuz i'm sure she experienced a lot of stuff that you you know that you would, would curl your hair but yeah. you know or the her you know, rising above the disco to finding, uh, you know, spirituality. Mm-hmm. I, 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 there's some, there's some things that are really interesting, but mm-hmm. th- by, by and large, since, you know, she wasn't really in, in the forefront talking about it, you know, we're not, we're not aware of it. Yeah. You know, just to back up, you were talking about the Christmas album. This is just a, mm-hmm. um, you know, mistaken identity came out in 1991. Christmas mm-hmm. album came out three years later, 1994. You got the live album, 1999, and then Crayons, 2008. So, in theory, she took almost, what is that, math, almost 20 years to put out a, a brand new album. I mean, a Christmas album, mm-hmm. brand new. Um, so, she definitely was enjoying, you know, just uh, touring when she wanted to and, you know, enjoying her family and, and uh, sitting back. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, more power to her. Um when Billboard ranks the the disco artist of all time, she ranks number six. Um, she, believe it or not, Pet Shop Boys is in front of her. Um, Donna, uh, Madonna is number one. Janet Jackson, Rihanna, Rihanna, Rihanna uh, and Beyonce. So uh, she's in a really good crowd of uh, artists. Right. Well, she's. All, I mean, what's interesting about that is she's in a crowd of artists that at, at least are a decade after. Yeah. So you know, none of those folks would have existed if she hadn't come first. 
Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's a fair, that's a fair point to make. Um, I, you know, I, I, it's, in, it's interesting to, to think about everything, you know, she did, she did do a lot of stuff. She did. And I think that to the point about why she didn't put out more album or why it took so long between records, you know, I think part of it was probably the, the, the industry was changing. There probably wasn't a lot of demand for her. Did she have a record label? Who knows? I mean, you know, the art of putting out records at this point is so different. Um, and it's probably, it doesn't seem like it's a whole lot of fun anymore either. And maybe she was at the point where like, look, I've got plenty of money. I, you know, I, I can go out when, if I need money, I can go out and do like a tour. I could do, you know, I can do a residency in Las Vegas for six weeks or something and, and, I, and I'll be fine. I'm still, you know, I'm still getting money from, from, you know, my back, my back catalog. I, I think that, you know, I, I'd like to think it was her choice, mm -hmm. but I don't know that either. I'm, part of it may be she may have been dying to put out more music and there just wasn't the vehicle with which to put it. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Again, so much of it is a mystery and so much of it we just don't know. All right. Before we hang up, Roy, I want to first yes, say thank you very much uh, for joining uh, something came from Baltimore. Uh, they, you never really explained as to maybe your career path that you're on. And I know I've seen you on TV. Are you able to share any of that? Yeah. I mean, you know, my career path is, is, is probably not as interesting as you might think it is. Um, you know, I, I got out of school with, with a degree in advertising and I worked in advertising for a little while and I realized I, I really didn't like it. So I, 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 you know, I have a background in journalism. I was, uh, I was the editor. I was an editor of Parents Magazine for a while. I was an editor um, of a, a weekly newspaper in Chicago, um, and then I came to Philadelphia about 20 years ago, um, and I worked at a, a national nonprofit for a while, um, and and then I ended up taking a corporate job, um, which is kind of where I'm at right now. I, I work in. Um, I'm a communications manager for um, a health services company uh, here in Philly. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not the most exciting job in the world, but it pays the bills, and mm -hmm. and uh, I get to do some some fun stuff. I get you know, it, it affords me being able to do stuff like this. So thank you, uh, Roy Delamar, and everyone listening. Please uh, subscribe to Something Came from Baltimore. Uh, we are on iTunes. We are on YouTube, uh, and we are available on um, Morgan State Radio. And uh, you can hear us anytime you want. Just all you have to do is hit subscribe.
Something came from Baltimore tomorrow. 